Good morning again. According to data from the Pew Research Center, the share of adults in the United States who are married has been steadily declining for several decades. Marriage rates are going down. In 1960, 72% of adults were married, and in 2017, that number was just 50%. The decline is particularly pronounced among younger adults. In 2017, just 29% of adults under the age of 35 were married. In 1960, it was 60%. So it significantly dropped 30% difference. That's a, that's a huge decline. Social relationships have also suffered, and, and most recently in the last few years, many believe it's due to the decline of face-to-face -face socializing. People enjoy connecting with others through devices, like phones and tablets. With the rise of digital communication and social media, people are increasingly turning to screens rather than in-person interaction to connect with others. Now, I know this feels a little funny that I'm reading from a screen as I tell you this. <laughs> Trust me, I've thought of that. Although, although these are not devoid of use, which I am demonstrating in front of you here today, devices for connecting lead to a sense of isolation and disconnection from those, one, from, from those in one's immediate surroundings. We call them connection devices and it's actually causing a greater disconnect. Add to this, there's been a decline of community institutions and social networks just in the last three years. If you've uh, learned, if you've read anything about the educational system and some of the higher education um, news, Higher education, the, the amount of students enrolling in higher education has significantly dropped. People don't really go to college anymore, and it's not that there's anything wrong with online school, which I've looked into and I've been interested in for a while, but it does have a consequence. People are not socializing as much as they used to because certain organizations like schools and other organizations, people just don't desire to get around others as much. And you know one of the biggest comments that you'll hear from people about why they're not doing fill in the blank? I'm too, ouch, I'm too busy. How many of you here are, feel like you could have said that this week? Like I'm too busy, right? I mean, I know a lot of us, this is Kansas, so I know a lot of your hands didn't go up that could have gone up, but we, we it is true it is true that there's a number of us, we sense that we are very busy and at the same time, we feel a little disconnected. A third way in which social relationships have suffered is through the rise of polarization and political divisiveness. No one even wants to bring it up. I won't even say certain terms because I know how it makes everyone feel. In recent years, political polarization has become increasingly pronounced in many countries around the world, not just in America. If you, I mean, if you know anything about the news, world news, 
Isn't it that there's wars and division and uprising and this leader taking over this country and these people protesting against that group and people are being abused and used? There's increased hostility and division among people who hold different political views and different perspectives on many issues, not even just political issues, issues that are fundamentally human like sexuality, identity, many things. And so there's all these factors that are playing into disconnect between people. You know what we need? We need to grow in our relationships with one another. We need to grow in favor with God and with men. We need to take a cue from Jesus' life, which is what we're gonna be talking about today. We are now in week three of a three-part series of looking at Luke chapter two, verse 52. It's a verse I've memorized mainly because I've prayed it over my children and our, our sponsor children. Pray this nearly every day. I hardly ever miss a day on this. Lord, help them to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with men. And the reason why I pray that is because it speaks of Jesus. In his humanity, it gives us an, a window into how Jesus grew. So if you turn to Luke chapter two, verse 52, it says, I'll start in verse 40 actually in Luke chapter two. Speaking of Jesus, it said, the, gr the boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom and God's grace was on him. That word for grace is charis, if you've ever heard that term, it's where we get charisma, it's where we get charity, it's where we get a number of words. That's the term for grace. Grace, God's grace was on Jesus. And then verse 52 it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. The word for grace and favor is the same word. That's where we get our word charis, charity, charisma. Those, that, that word for grace is the same word. Now, the English translators often translate the same word differently in these two verses because it's really hard to explain that Jesus grew in grace with God. Because when you and I think of the word grace, we do not think Jesus needs any, right? Well, it depends on your definition of grace. This uh, passage is really a repeat. This passage is used by, uh, by a prophet for the same prophet, ironically, in 1 Samuel chapter two. 1 Samuel chapter two, verse 26, by contrast, the boy Samuel grew in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. So when Luke wrote this verse about Jesus growing in stature and in favor with God and with people, he's actually pointing back to a verse and a phrase that the Christians, the Jews who believed in God, these, these Messianic Jews now that believe that Jesus is the Messiah, they're putting their faith in Jesus, this is the one true God. They're turned back to, hey, Samuel, that was written about Samuel, who was a man. Well, he was a boy and he grew into a man. And so this is talking about Jesus's humanity and it's not the first time someone's humanity is being uh, written about this. And so Jesus grew in favor. But you can't say Jesus grew in grace with God without 
you know, either losing your mind or losing your audience. It's really hard to explain Jesus' humanity. So what does it mean that Jesus grew in favor with God and with man? Well, in order to get to the bottom of this, we first have to learn what is favor? What is favor? Well, I'm glad you asked. The technical definition of favor, there's actually two. There's the active definition, there's the I have grace, I have favor. That's not the way it's used in this verse. This is used in the passive tense. So according to the BDAG, which if you're a Greek scholar in here, you know the BDAG, that's like the gold standard of definitions for this language. That is like number one. Everyone else, you know, leans on that one. It says that favor, when it's passive, when someone has favor with you or on you, it means they have a beneficent disposition towards you. Right? What does that mean? If, if I came to you and said, hey, I've got a beneficent disposition towards you, you might think I'm serving you papers. <laughs> See, you might think I'm taking you to court. I don't know what that means. So beneficent, that means like, you know, benefit, think of the word benefit, it means like you're blessing them. Disposition, like attitude, demeanor. And so in common language, I'm gonna rephrase it using verses from the Bible to understand this word. Growing in favor with someone means they have a friendly and supportive attitude or demeanor towards you. They have a friendly and supportive attitude. So if you look at the word favor, favor is used many times in the Bible. If you look at the word for favor used in the scripture, it has these two elements to it. It means when someone has favor on you or with you, they are friendly toward you. That means they're relational. They see you as a person and they want to be kind and nice to you. They're showing you favor. They have, you are growing in favor with them. They have favor towards you. The second part is supportive. When you look at the word favor that's used throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, and I know they're written in different languages, but even when it was translated in the Septuagint, these words are, you know, complement each other. This idea of favor has a continued thread throughout all of Scripture. It means that they are supporting you, which I'll give you a number of examples. There's so many examples, I'll give you just a few. So, when you grow in favor with someone, they're friendly toward you, and they're supportive of you. Friendly, speaking relationally, supportive mean they appreciate who you are and what, they're, what you're doing and they want to help you. So friendly and supportive, just a small difference between those two ideas, but there's, those two ideas need to come together. We see this clearly in the relationship between King David and Jonathan, Saul's son. So if you go back into the Old Testament and you look at a particular relationship where this word is used, it's speaking of Jonathan and David's relationship. In 1 Samuel 20, verse three, but David said, your father certainly knows that I have found favor with you. He said, Jonathan must not know this or else he'll be grieved. So if you don't know the background, King David was one of the kings of the Israelite people about 1,000 BC, about 1,000 years before Jesus was born, so 3,000 years from now. And at first, King David was this runt of a brother, everyone says, this redheaded uh, guy. He was a war prodigy. He ended up, uh, God chose him as king, but there was a king before him, Saul, that did not want him to be king. And so Saul ended up hating David. Well, David became good friends with uh, Saul's son, Jonathan. 
And what David is saying here, hey, your dad is trying to kill me. And at first, Jonathan was like, no, no, my dad would never do that. He's like, no, your dad's going to kill me. And then he finds out, no, your dad's, my dad's for sure going to kill you. Uh, but in this passage, David is saying, your father certainly knows that I have found favor with you. You view me in a friendly, relational way, and you support me, which is bad news for pops because he's the king and God says, I'm supposed to be the king, which means we got to get rid of your dad as the king. And dad didn't like that. Saul did not want to lose or give up his kingdom. He didn't want to lose or give up his kingship. So when David, when this word is used, there's many other examples. This is one place that's really common that you would be able to use. Growing in favor with someone means that they're friendly and supportive toward you. And Luke 2.52 tells us in advance that Jesus grew in favor with God and with men. God looked upon Jesus with favor in a friendly way, in a special way. He supported Jesus the Son. So he grew in that grace, not meaning he ended up having, quote, more grace, but he grew into it, meaning as he obeyed the Father, it brought glory to the Father, and that had a positive impact on their relationship. It's not that their relationship was lacking, it's just that it continues to increase and be more and be better. It's hard to explain this because first of all, the, the Trinity is hard to explain. The second reason is when we talk about heaven, we are gonna be fully satisfied in heaven, but our satisfaction capacity is gonna grow. So the way that I explain it to people, like when we speak about heaven, imagine when you get to heaven, you have an eight ounce cup and it's full of joy. You have eight ounces worth of joy, but it's full to the brim. You can't add any more to it. Every minute in heaven, your cup gets bigger. And in 10 minutes, let's say, using this as an illustration, you have 16 ounces worth of a cup, and 16 ounces is full. It's not like you look back at the eight ounces and say, oh, I was missing something. You were missing nothing. It's just your capacity grew. Well, you grow forever in heaven, not physically, of course. That would be, I don't know, maybe that'd be fun, but that's not it. Uh, you grow spiritually. There, there is joy at God's right hand forever. It keeps increasing. As soon as you think it can't get any better, it gets better. But you don't look at anyone else who, there's rewards in heaven, not everybody's starting with the same ounces. So, you know, like Pastor Will, he's probably gonna have a 50-ounce cup when he gets there. I'll have an eight. Well, I'm not gonna look at him and be jealous because I am fool. And he's not gonna look at me and feel proud because what makes him feel better is that I'm fool, because it's in heaven and we love each other. And so my increasing ounces makes him happier, which increases his cup. Everybody's happy, everybody's cup is full, it's that way. So, I can tell by your faces I explain that so well. <laughs> and, and you know exactly what to expect in heaven. I can just feel it. If you could translate that into Jesus grew in this way in his humanity, it's not that there was something lacking between him and the Father, it just grew in real time. Because before Jesus entered the earth 2,000 years ago, he did not enter the earth 2,000 years ago. It's not the same. Something happened, something significant. Just because God lives outside of time in the way that we can't understand, um, just because he does that doesn't mean that there is no 
consequence or implication of time. Jesus has entered into our time. So he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with men. So good, now you know that. You're all theologians. Go tell the whole world. So he grew. He grew in favor. And he grew with people. That meaning he grew with God and with men or and with people means that other people perceived it and other people grew in their favor for Jesus. Now, obviously, not everybody loved Jesus. We know that. But it's saying that he grew relationally. He grew in his relationships, which is what the word favor points to. The word favor is all about relationships. The word stature is all about physical, and the word wisdom is all about You'd say the mind in their culture, it's like your determination, your wisdom, your intelligence, your direction. And so all three of these ways Jesus grew, and the purpose of God telling us that Jesus and his humanity grew this way is so that you and I would grow in that way. God wants you and I to not only pray for, but to be committed to growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with men. So... That's what favor is. It's growing friendly, supportive, relationally with someone. But why should we desire that? Why should we desire favor? When we look at Jesus' life and how he grew, is this something we should ask for? Is this something we should avoid? Is this something we could be like, okay, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, no big deal. Why should we desire favor? Why should we look at Jesus' example and say, God, help my kids grow in wisdom and stature and favor with you and with men. Why should we pray that? Why should we pray that for ourselves? Why do we want to grow in favor? Well, mainly because we want to grow relationally. We want to grow in our relationship with other people. So, we see in the Bible when the term favor is used, when God grants someone favor, it, number one, creates an opportunity or creates opportunities for that person to serve others in meaningful ways. So it creates opportunities to serve. So you do a word study on the word favor, it's used hundreds of times in the Bible. You do a study and you find that many times that God gives someone favor, it's so that they could serve other people. I'll use an example of Joseph. Of course we could use Jesus, we're gonna be talking about Jesus the whole time, but we'll use the example of Joseph. In Genesis 39, verses three through four, this is Old Testament Joseph. You know, the guy with the Egyptian, Potiphar, the bread, the Egyptians, his brothers, this is that Joseph. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found, found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. Gaining favor with people does not have to be a selfish endeavor. This is not a desire in which I want people to like me. That's not the point. You can pray to grow in favor so that you can serve other people. Um, there are a lot of people right now, if you just turn on the TV, if you just stream anything posting, right, uh, anything uh, trending right now, there, there are a lot of people in our world, even in our culture, that are trying to gain your favor. Politicians, uh, social media stars, there are, there are people vying for, working toward your favor. Why are they doing it? Why do they want your friendly? supportive relationship. 
Why do they want you to be that way with them? Why do they want to gain favor? Well, it could be for your good. It could be because they want to serve you. It could be for selfish reasons. It could be for devious reasons. It could be for ignorant reasons. But people are trying to grow in favor with you. Right now, in our, in our town, in this town, in your community, people are trying to grow in favor. The question is why? Well, why should we do it? Well, we want, we want opportunities to serve people. We also, uh, as a result of serving others, we want to desire favor because it deepens our relationships. When you grow in favor with God and with people, it results in a stronger bond between you and them. And man, do we need this in our culture. People are so divided right now over every little thing. And we need to deepen our relationships with not only just our family members, which is completely true, but with our neighbors, with our community, with people that we interact with. When we grow in favor, it does do that. And one beautiful example is in Ruth. In Ruth chapter two, oh, I love the book of Ruth. It's the greatest love story ever written. Uh, even non-Christians, um, literature experts, say that Ruth is one of the greatest love stories. It's just a beautiful love story. If, if you don't know the story, I don't wanna preach on it and take up all our time. But if you want me to tell you, I will, because I love this story. Anyway, you guys know the story of Ruth. Ruth was this peasant, nobody, distant land, married, got, her husband died, mother-in-law Naomi, you, you know the story. Uh, this is at a point in her life where she's talking to a man that she wants his favor, and she speaks to him very vulnerably. She says, my Lord, which, which you know, anyway, my Lord. She said, I, <laughs> come on. My Lord, just factual statement. She said, I have found favor with you, for you have comforted and encouraged your servant, although I am not like one of your female servants. Now, let me, let me have a conversation with the guys here. When a woman is vulnerable and makes the comment, I am not like them, there is deep vulnerability and openness here. She's not just referring to her skin color, which is definitely one of the elements of this story. She's saying, I'm not like these other women that you already have authority over. I'm not like these others. That insecure, vulnerable, telling you I feel this sense of lacking, disconnect, I'm not like them, yet, I have found favor with you. You have shown favor with me. You have been friendly to me. You have treated me differently than others. I have found favor with you. Favor is intended to deepen our relationships. This is one example, but it brings the question. Do you wish you had a deeper relationship with your spouse? Do you wish you had a richer, more full relationship? Biblically, using the words that the Bible uses, your prayer could be, God, help me grow in favor with him or her. Would you help me grow in favor? I wanna have a deeper, richer relationship. That's what this word means. 
And we should desire favor because don't you want to have a better relationship with your loved ones? Maybe it's your children. I can tell you this is one of my prayers. I feel like time's going by so fast. My oldest child is 12 years old. 18 is supposedly when you become an adult. That means he is two-thirds toward adulthood. Two-thirds. Two-thirds. No. He can't be two-thirds already there. I've got so much more to do with him. I, I don't want him to leave. I don't want him to grow up. I don't want him to, you know, I've heard some stories about teenage years. I don't want that. I, I, want, the, I want the, yeah, you know, play with me and I'll listen to you. I want that. I, I want those years. He's two-thirds gone. I desperately want to deepen my relationship with him. I pray, God, would you help him grow in favor with God and with men, and would you help me grow in favor with him? I want him to know how much I love him, how much I already miss him and he's not gone, how much I wish I could do better, how much I want to show him how much I love him, and I feel like I don't know how. I want to deepen my relationship with him. Have you ever felt that way for your children or your grandchildren? I wish my relationship with my grandchildren was deeper. The idea of growing in favor is not just, hey, people liked him. It's about relationally growing with someone and that's what Jesus did and that's our cue of what he wants us to do. He wants us to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with, with God and with people. Also, do you wish you had a deeper relationship with God? I talk to people all the time. One of the comments I hear very often is, I just feel disconnected from God. I just feel stagnant. I just feel like we're not as close as I wish we were. It's like my prayers are kind of dead or this is kind of whatever. And they just, you know, I feel like I wish my relationship was deeper. Well, what you're wanting is to grow in favor with God. You, it doesn't mean that God favors you or likes you more. It's this relational growth in which you want to be closer with him and you, you want to know him more. You, you want to be known by him more. So it, it deepens relationships. Number three in point number two, why, why do we want or why should we desire favor is it points people to God. And this is the ultimate, most important. It points people to God. In Acts chapter two, verses 46 through 47, you know, it's the first church after Pentecost. You know, 3,000 were saved. God is beginning, he has begun building his church it says of this first century church, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their joy, uh, sorry, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. I just want to put that plaque over my dining room because I just want my kids to eat their food <laughs> with joyful and sincere hearts. No, I'm just kidding. It's like, don't you know this is good for you? Don't you know it costs us more money to give you healthy foods? This is harder on mom to have to prepare it. Eat it with a smile and don't sit here for an hour and 15 minutes because I've got stuff I want to do or I have nothing I want to do, but I can't do it because you're sitting at the table, you know, just <laughs> hypothetically. Uh, that, and so, so the church wasn't like what I just described. They were great. They just ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They were enjoying the favor of all the people. Every, do, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So when the Bible uses favor, it talks about a deepening of relationships and connections to serve. It also tells us that when we grow in favor with people, it gives us the ability to point them to God. 
which is what was happening in Acts chapter 2 with the early church. God, they were enjoying favor with all the people, all these different people from different countries, different nations, different cultures. They're finding out who God is is because this group of people was doing what they were meant to do. They were gathering together. They were praying together. They were committing themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's we could just translate that to the New Testament. They were committing themselves to the Word of God. They were hearing it, reading it, talking about it. They were breaking bread. They were praying. They were fellowshipping together, and that drew people not just to them. It drew people to God. The Lord added to their number uh, those who were being saved every day. And so ultimately, we should desire favor with people because we really want them to be saved. We want them to know the, the love and grace and forgiveness of God. We want them to know the truth. We want them to have a place in heaven. We want them to know their creator. We should desire to grow in favor with others, not for our own selfish means, but for their salvation. And there's nothing wrong with that. So that's number two. Why should we desire favor? Number three, well, how do we do it? How do we find favor? If we study the word favor in the, in the Bible, how are we supposed to find favor? There's three ways that are described in two different passages. There are more, and those of you Bible students, I know you know there's more, but here's three concrete, easy, explicit ways in the scripture to grow in favor or to gain favor or to find favor. Uh, number one, seek wisdom and understanding. How do we find favor? Seek wisdom and understanding. In Proverbs chapter eight, Solomon writes this it's like a beautiful poem about wisdom, but wisdom personified. Pretend wisdom was a woman is the idea. And Solomon's writing to these young boys who would be around the age of 12, and he's writing to them so that the Jewish young men can grow up to be wise men. And he writes to them and says, listen, you need to not seek what was mentioned in chapter seven, and if you know it, you know it. If you don't, ask your dad. Don't follow... Proverbs 7, the, the woman mentioned there. Proverbs chapter 8, there's another woman. We call her wisdom. It says, doesn't wisdom call out? Doesn't understanding make her voice heard? Anyone who listens to me, and then you, you go on, it's all about wisdom, this it pers personified as a woman, even though wisdom's not a woman, personified as a woman, and it goes through all the way down to verse 34, and it says, anyone who listens to me is happy. Solomon is not writing about himself. Read chapter eight. He's still writing about wisdom as a lady calling out to anybody that's willing to listen and saying, anyone who listens to me is happy, watching at my doors every day, waiting by the post of the doorway. And if you're under the age of 30, post does not mean social media posts. These are actual physical beams like at a door. And what, what it's saying is, Anyone who knows where I am is waiting for me to receive wisdom at the door, waiting at the door, watching at my doors every day, waiting, for the post, waiting by the post of my doorway. For the one who finds me finds life and obtains, obtains favor from the Lord. Waiting by the post if you find me. You know what this means? Whoever is seeking wisdom in this context is meant to find wisdom. And you learn in Proverbs, you know what wisdom is? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is only found in God. The idea is 
Seek wisdom and understanding, primarily in the scripture, and you will grow in favor with God. You will grow in your relationship with God. You will grow in the grace of God. You will be at the right place at the right time to receive his grace. You will grow in such a way that you were meant to and designed to grow if you seek for wisdom and understanding. That's how you grow in favor with God. But how do you grow in favor with people? Well, the same thing. Listen to wisdom, seek understanding. Uh, When I read this verse, uh, I took it very personal because it's easy for me to think of how do I grow in favor with God, I need to seek wisdom and understanding in the scripture. All right, you don't have to be a Christian for very long to know if you wanna know God, you've got to get in the Bible or better, you gotta get the Bible into you. You need God's word. But how do you grow in favor with people? Well, you have to seek understanding with them. That means you have to listen to other people. And um, I remember feeling really guilty when I'm my unhealthy self, I have a lot of negative thoughts. I just think negatively about circumstances, about people, the whole way around. I think worst case scenario. And um, when I get unhealthy, that's very easy for me to be that way. And uh, sometimes I'm unhealthy with the people around me, like with my family, with my wife, with my kids. And, uh, and I realized when I was meditating on this verse, I was not seeking understanding with my spouse. I was seeking resolution, I was seeking my own way, I was seeking fill in the blank, but I wasn't seeking understanding. If I wanna grow in favor with the people around me, I have to be willing to seek understanding with them. I have to be understanding. And you know what, the Bible already says that a hundred different ways. Peter writes about husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Be patient with them. So there's already so many verses where this is repeated over and over. If you wanna grow in favor relationally with the people around you, you have to understand them. You have to listen to them. You have to get to know them. You can't be selfish, arrogant, grumpy, just me, I don't need to know about them. You cannot be self-centered if you're gonna grow in favor with other people. And when I say you, I mean me, of course, I'm in this. God designed us to grow in favor with people. We have to seek wisdom and understanding with them too. Number two, be kind and merciful. If you wanna grow in wisdom or grow in favor with people and with God, you have to be kind and merciful. In Proverbs chapter three, verses three through four, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and a good reputation in the sight of God and man. If you wanna find favor, don't let two things leave you. Now, this is really creative writing to say it this way. Listen to how Solomon writes this. Listen to how God's inspired word says this. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Don't let it leave you. You better make sure kindness sticks with you. Bind them around your neck. Anybody here, like, you, you're constantly losing stuff, your keys, you know, items. If you, if you don't put it in the right spot, you totally lose it. Okay, the idea of this is bind it around your neck. So unless you left your head on the counter at home before you left, you still have it. 
That's what they mean. You, back then, and I know in modern culture we have jewelry for necklaces and all that. When, when he says bind them around your neck, back then they would put keys and very, very important special uh, items around their neck so that they don't forget it and they don't miss it and they don't misplace it and they have it with them at all times because there are certain things you need with you all the time. That's kindness. All the time we need kindness. Don't let it leave you. Find them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, it's not talking about this tablet, right? Some, now when we use words, it's totally different. The tablet of your heart is meant like, imagine a stone tablet on your heart carved with truth and kindness. The idea is it's permanent. Like permanent marker, write kindness and truth on your heart. Don't forget it. Don't misplace it. Don't lose it. Have it with you all the time. And if you do you will find favor and a good reputation in the sight of God and men. So God wants us to grow in favor. In order to do that, we have to be kind and merciful. This word for kindness is a special word. It's, if you know Hebrew, it's kesed. You've probably heard that term. They translate it in multiple ways in the Old Testament. They translate it as loving kindness. They translate it as love. They translate it as kindness. They translate it as mercy. They translate it as goodness. There's so many different definitions. You wanna know why? Because there's no one good English word that pulls it all together. The way that this word is meant to, meant to be used is that it's kind and merciful. And, and, and kindness is more than just being nice. Kindness is a loving, giving, sacrificial uh, act and response to someone. So, and you know, you could look up kindness. This word for kindness is used 248 times in the Old Testament. Mostly it's used as mercy and kindness, but it's also used in other ways. It's really good. There's one translation that translates it loyalty, because it's like, who can translate this word? The idea is you, you are kind and merciful to someone. Kindness and mercy will draw people to you. If you want to grow in favor with people, be kind and merciful to them. Number two. Number three, be faithful to the truth. Also in this passage it says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Uh, this word's used 127 times in the Old Testament and over 100 times it's translated into another language to just mean truth, the same word for truth that we have in the New Testament. This idea of truth is you have to be committed to the truth. Be committed to sharing the truth, living according to the truth, and this word is also uh, translated as honest. Be honest. If you want to grow in favor with people, be honest about who you are, be honest about your weaknesses, be honest about the truth. You cannot grow in favor if you're hiding the truth. If you're too proud to admit or you're too scared to reveal, you will not be able to grow in favor with people. Jesus grew in favor with God and people and part of the way was he was vulnerable. And he put himself at the disposal, really it says in 1 uh, in Peter, he subjected himself to the judge, the great judge. He knew God is his real judge. But he submitted himself to human beings. He was very vulnerable. So be faithful to the truth. Do not let truth leave you, so you will find favor and good reputation in the sight of God and men. So God's desire is that you and I would grow in favor with God and with men to grow relationally, and ultimately, that's one of the ways that we're gonna be able to reach people for Christ. 
They need the truth. They need to see the truth, and they need, they need kindness and mercy from us, and we need it. We need, we desire to grow in our relationships, and that will only happen if we grow in favor with God and with people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the morning. I thank you for your word. It's so good uh, to be reminded again of, of how you have designed us to be relational with one another, to be kind and merciful, to be caring to one another, to see each other as friends, to be supportive uh, in the ways that you have designed us to be, the way that you have been loving and friendly and supportive to us. We pray that you would help us to grow in this. I pray for the marriages in this room. I know uh, many marriages are hurting and are struggling, uh, not feeling like they have favor with one another, not feeling the kindness or love or compassion, and uh, maybe even exhausted. Would you help them to grow in favor with you and with one another? For uh, parents and their children, we love our children so much, and in many ways they need us uh, just as much as we need them. We pray that you would, you would help the families in this room and our church and our community help us to grow in favor with you and with each other. Would you continue to show favor of grace on us? Uh, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.